0: Welcome to the Ebony Bird Podcast. I'm your host, Jake McDonald. For all things Ebony Bird, be sure to follow us on Twitter at Ebony underscore Bird. I'm going to be joined by our two experts, Joe Schiller and Chris Schistler, in just a second. But before I do, I want to plug our Ebony Bird website. Of course, you can, follow, you can check out everything at EbonyBird.com, the official Baltimore Ravens website under the fan-sided Medium, and we also have a mobile app. Uh, For those of you who aren't aware, you can access all of our articles on your mobile app. Just go to the App Store, search Ebony Bird, and it'll be right there for you to download. Uh, Looking at the website right now, we got some good stuff up today. An article about Good Morning Football praising the Baltimore Ravens offense, not their defense. Why Terrell Suggs will be the Defensive Player of the Year. Very interesting take there for one of the longtime Ravens greats. Another one, Ravens versus Browns, observations from studying the Browns. And then, of course, Danny Woodhead, the news came out out at least one month with a hamstring injury. All of this and more, you can check out ebonybird.com, our little plug there. So, gentlemen, let's get right into this. I'm joined by Chris Schistler and Joe Schiller, our two site experts. Chris is footballman58 on Twitter. Joe is Joe Schiller with two R's. Again, all that's available in the episode description box. I'm Jay McDonald 95 as I mentioned, and of course, bird is our Twitter handle. So uh, I know it wasn't a perfect game, but the Ravens shutting out the Cincinnati Bengals in Cincinnati for, uh, to open up the 2017 campaign. The first time the Ravens have won in Cincy since 2011. There were some games in there that might not have counted because of, uh, playoff eliminations and most of those games taking place at the end of the season, starters resting, but they still hadn't won there in six years. And I don't think, at least I didn't expect the Ravens to win the game. I, you guys both picked the Ravens last week. I was proven wrong. I wasn't expecting them to win. I was not expecting them to completely shut out the Bengals, but utter domination. We're going to break down the game. So Chris, I'll go to you first. What did you see? Uh, some, some of your takeaways and Joe will go over to you after this. Your top three or so thoughts following, uh, the Ravens 20 to nothing dominant win over Cincinnati.
1: Well, I was the only guy who predicted a shutout. I got that, but I, they got 10 more points than I predicted. The offense did more than I thought they would. It wasn't special. It wasn't good. It wasn't pretty, but it was, it's just, it's, they sustained some drives. So that was good to see. Uh, the defense is absolutely fantastic. I, I mean, if it wasn't for the injuries, this would be a perfect day. You look at the defense though, that's so fast, so powerful. Uh, they dominate the line of scrimmage. And once the ball goes in the air, it just feels like it's coming in the, the purple and black's hands. It's unbelievable.
2: Yeah, I mean, today, today's NFL shutout is so rare, especially with how good some of the offenses are. And, I mean, you can't take any, way, anything away from the Bengals. I mean, they're a very good offense. They were missing some guys on the defensive side. But in terms of offense, they really had pretty much all their weapons and some more. Uh, this, the, the defense is incredible. I know it's just one game, but we've seen this in the preseason. And it's carried over into uh the regular season. I I think some people, like the national media and some other pundits, didn't really realize how good this Ravens defense is, but they've really kind of put themselves on the map there. Um offensive wise. I mean, they kept things simple for Joe Flacco and I mean people get mad when he's not putting up the big stats, but it doesn't matter. I mean, throwing for he went nine for seventeen for one hundred and twenty one yards and a touchdown. I mean if that's all he needs to do, I don't really care as long as they're getting the win. I really like the commitment to the ground game, uh, with Terrence West and Buck Allen. I thought they did really well. Um, Obviously, like Chris said, the Danny Woodhead and Z'Darrius Smith injuries hurt. I mean, but I feel like we're so numb to this now that, I mean, part of you not surprised in some sense. But it's not the perfect formula, especially offensive-wise. But, I mean, if this will get the wins, I can't be mad at that.
0: Yeah, we'll talk more about the Danny Woodhead and Zayarius Smith injuries as the episode goes on. I do think the Danny Woodhead injury is going to be particularly bad for this offense. It's expected he's going to miss at least a month with that hamstring problem, and Zedaria Smith suffering an injury and it looks really painful. Looks like it could have been much worse than what it was. It looked like a knee sprain is what the official diagnosis was, but John Harbaugh said today that they could have him back by next week in London, which would certainly be a quick turnaround after what we saw him laying on the field, writhing in pain on Sunday. I talked about this with uh, Brett Hollander of WBAL. I did a podcast with him this afternoon on Charm City Birdwatch, if you can check out at my website, charmcitybirdwatch.com. I was talking to him about how impressed I was. You guys alluded to the offensive line and the commitment to the run game. You know, how much have we harped over the preseason, Chris, myself, and Joe all included, about getting a commitment to the run game. The Ravens rushed uh They had – between uh, Buck Allen and Terrence West, Allen had 21 carries, West had 19 combined for 150 yards. Flacco only threw the ball 17 times, but I was particularly impressed with the offensive line opening up holes. You know, we saw, uh, you know, Ronnie Stanley, we saw James Hurst, Ryan Jensen. Uh, everybody on the offensive line, you know, aside from the, a couple hits Flacco took in the red zone on their one series, uh, really performed well, and... There's been so many injuries. You know, we had Alex Lewis and Nico Siragusa go down. John Orshall retired. There's been so much uncertainty with this offensive line, so much so that they were just trading away uh, pieces and draft picks last week to bring in guys uh, to help back up and provide depth. Uh, depth. I mean, the the way that they were able to open up holes for the run game is really encouraging going forward, and they're going to have to keep running the football despite not having Danny Woodhead because Flacco's still getting back from his back injury. They didn't give him a heavy workload last week. He only attempted 17 passes, and, uh, you know, for a couple weeks, and in a couple weeks, they might have to air it out a little bit more facing teams like Pittsburgh and Oakland, but for these first few weeks playing teams like Cleveland and Jacksonville, I, you know, it's going to be huge having a good run game, a good offensive line, and the key is staying consistent, but at least they showed against Cincinnati that they are capable of opening up holes and capable of protecting Joe Uh, a lot better than I think most Ravens fans would have anticipated. Joe, we'll go to you first, then you, Chris. How satisfied were you? What did you see in particular with how the offensive line looks? Because going into the season, that was really one of the top concerns many Ravens fans had with this team.
2: Yeah, no, I thought they looked good. I think they definitely exceeded our expectations. I mean, if you really think about it, this unit that they put out on Sunday really hasn't had time to play together. Most of the preseason, they were kind of jumbled up starting guys. In and out. So this is really the first game we've seen these five guys start together. I thought it was pretty good. I mean, we had Ryan Jensen had a couple stupid holding penalties, but that just comes with it. I mean, the Bengals defensive line with Geno Atkins is one of the he's one of the best defensive linemen in the game. So I mean, you're going to have those troubles going up against it. Um, overall, just good. Marshall Yonda, we you know is just is so good. I mean, he just continues to prove it year in and year out. And for the run game, I think you finally start to see that influence from Greg Roman just committing to the ground game. I don't even think Flacco completed a pass in the second half. They were just running the ball down the Bengals' throat. There was that one drive in the third quarter. Let me look it up. It was like 17 plays, shoot up like nine minutes of clock. I mean, tell me where you saw that last season. they was throwing like 50 or 60 passes a game. Now you only see him throwing 17. Like I said, I'll be happy with that as long as they're getting the win and the commitment to the ground game is there.
1: Yeah, I agree with everything you just said. The only thing I will say is if the problems with Jensen with the holding penalties, and I think Hurst had some trouble too, if those problems continue, I'll be a little annoyed. But I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt because Geno Atkins, because the Bengals' uh defensive line is so good, I'll give them some benefit of the doubt. What I look at the Ravens offensive line. What I liked about it was there was no wasted movement. There was the run game was quick acting. You, none of the shotgun run crap. You didn't have any of these long delayed runs. That little pitch inside to West, not pitching out, but pitching right to him and hitting the hole. That that was a good little wrinkle. The draw play that we ran twice in a row. It was annoying that we called it twice in a row. But if you don't get a stupid penalty. That's a great play. Um, there's a wrinkle you didn't see. I mean, you actually had Flacco sell it. Um, there were, there were some good things I liked about the offensive line in this game. Um, I just thought they manned up against a very physical Bengals defensive front. And last year that would have never
0: happened. And moving on, of course, we want to discuss a little bit of the Danny Woodhead injury going down, retweaking his hamstring. It's announced a four- to six-week injury, but could linger longer into an eight-week period. And the Ravens do have the option of putting him on IR with a designation to return because, of course, they are allowed to do that with two players now. And really, I think this is going to be a big blow to the offense. He had a four-yard rush, and then he caught free passes for 33 yards on just that opening drive before he went out. Uh we saw just how big of a piece he is in this offense and without him we're gonna have to rely on guys like Michael Campanero, guys like Terrence West and Buck Allen to make plays out of the backfield and in the slot like Woodhead was able to to do and uh for guys like Michael Campanero it comes down to staying healthy, whether or not they're gonna he's gonna be able to do that, we'll find out. Uh Chris, I'll go to you first. Really tough blow here because we saw how much uh more, not only, you know, Flacco but how much Morning Leg was relying on Woodhead and really uh This goes back to, I think, you know, when the Ravens first signed Woodhead to that three-year contract, which really is a one- or two-year contract, a third-year option, depending on how you look at it. He's a running back over 30 who tore his ACL last year and now has had hamstring problems all throughout uh, training camp and now into the season. Uh I don't know how else you can look at it other than say his legs are just done at this point. He's a smaller guy. Um Maybe he can come back and be be, be a little bit of a burst towards the end of the season, but this really short-term uh, stretch of knee, leg injuries he's had really caused for concern, especially when we saw how featured he was. Uh, wh- how, what are your thoughts? Do you think that he can still be a vital part of this offense when he comes back, or do you think he's just another injury-prone player that the Ravens are going to have to deal with now?
1: If he's on the field, he'll be helping the Ravens. The problem is I don't know how much he'll be on the field. When we look back at the 2017 season, we might say, well, that signing didn't work out, but we can see what they were going for. I'm hoping he gets in there, but you know, this is why Smoke Mazel sort of made the team. You know, I know he's not great at pass protection, but he can do the other stuff. He can catch the passes. He can run the routes. You know, this is why getting rid of a guy like Taquan Mazel is a problem. Uh, Buck Allen's going to probably be the guy who does most of the work but again he's not great at pass protection you've got a problem michael campanero can't fix it he's a slot receiver um he doesn't do the same things you can line him up in the backfield but it's not really it's not really the same thing it's not a natural transition for campanero and he can do some of it the jet sweeps but you can play around with it but You know, Woodhead was going to be a big part of the offense, and now for at least a month, he's not going to be because he won't be playing.
2: Yeah, I'll just be interested to see what they're going to do with him, uh, like injured reserve-wise, because if they do put him on there with the designation to return, he's out for at least eight weeks. So I'm not sure if they're going to want to do that. They've only got two spots there this year, and we've already talked about Bruce uh, Kennedy as the other guy. So they're throwing up those two spots right away. Um, with the injuries that we've seen, that's pretty concerning. I mean, everyone was pretty excited about Woodhead on that first drive. We saw everyone tweeting about how good he was going to be, and even I was really excited because, I mean, having that kind of threat in the passing game is huge for this offense. But then when you see him go down, and he clutches his leg, you're just like, here we go, yeah, and this is the Ravens' luck this season. But the only thing I will say is I feel a little more confident in the fact that West and Allen um, really kind of picked up the run game. I mean, they didn't really do too much in the receiving game at all, but I at least feel confident with the two backs they have on the roster right now, and I think coming up against the Browns next week, it's, one of, it's another one of those games, like Jake said, where you can kind of rely on the ground game, don't really have to worry about too much for Joe Flacco until you kind of get into the games where we go to Pittsburgh, play Pittsburgh and the Raiders and stuff, so I think for now they can suffice, but from what John Harbaugh said in this press conference today, it sounds like if they made any moves it would be on the practice squad with Alex Collins or Jeremy Langford, but still, I don't think you can replace Woodhead. They aren't as good of half-protectors as he is. Um, I think if you're going to look for a guy to kind of take some of the production from Woodhead, it's going to be Buck Allen. I mean, he kind of fell out of favor last year. But we saw in his rookie season, before that was injured, that he really did come in and be a primary rec- uh, receiver at the running back spot. So I'm interested to see um, how Wes and Allen are going to share those carries, too, once the season rolls on.
0: And of course, with the Ravens pitching a 20 to nothing shout out against the Bengals, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the defense. Five turnovers, four interceptions, Carr, Mosley, Webb, Jimmy Smith, and then, of course, uh, the forced the force fumble that Terrell Suggs caused, also recovered by uh, Michael Pierce. Boy, this defense certainly looks like it could set historic marks this season. Of course, there is an article on Ebony Bird about that that you can check out now. Uh, man, we, we talked about it all, all preseason. Uh, it's going to come down to consistency, and if the offense doesn't have some good showings and defenses on the field a lot, maybe they could wear down a little bit. But, man, for at least this game, complete dominance, and, and with guys like uh, or offenses like the Browns and the Jaguars coming up, This defense really has an opportunity to show what they can do and just be completely dominant. And, of course, the real test coming against the Steelers and the Raiders. But we finally see what having a legitimate secondary that can make plays and shut people down can do. Um, It comes down to Jimmy Smith staying healthy. That's the big key here. But he was making plays. Carr was making plays. uh, Weddle and uh, Tony Jefferson led the team in tackles. He had nine in total, five solo with a sack. Uh, man, just th- th- I know it's just one game. It's hard it's hard not to get very excited, but I I can't help myself. I'm not saying like you guys were saying earlier it's going to be a 2000 esque Ravens defense, but m- when this team has a dominant defense, they can make some noise. Uh Joe will go to you first. Just watching this defense, what I mean aside from the five takeaways and the dom- and the dominance there, you know, sacking Dalton uh, as much as they did what? Uh, how much can this defense, this unit, carry this team going forward, especially with the offense dealing with injuries to Woodhead now?
2: Well, I think they can carry him pretty far, um, like we saw against the Bengals. I mean, it wasn't even just the interceptions. Guys like C.J. Mosley and other guys were getting those tips up on the offensive uh, up on the line of scrimmage, too, that was causing those interceptions. And I, it's just like you said, I, it's so hard not to be excited about this defense, especially from what we've seen in the preseason and everything. And, Tony Jefferson, like you said, wow. I mean, he, that signing, it was immediate impact. He was all over the field. He had the sack. He had nine total tackles. I mean, he is just a stud for how young he is and paired up with Weddle. I mean, their rival, um, the Seahawks and some other different secondaries out there as one of the best, honestly. I mean, I think you can make that argument for sure. Uh, it's just great to see Jimmy Smith just healthy. I mean, that pick he had on Andy Dalton in front of A.J. Green at the end of the game was awesome. You could see A.J. Green slap the ground. He was so pissed off. As a Ravens fan, there's no better feeling than that, Knowing, especially knowing how bad A.J. Green has burned the Ravens in the past. And I mean, if you take away one garbage play, it's like a 25-yard catch he had at the end of the game. He only had like 50 yards receiving. And as a Ravens fan, from what you've seen from him in the past, I'll take that any day of the week. I mean, they just completely dominated the the line of scrimmage in every part of the game, Andy Dalton looked absolutely terrible. I mean, he had a QBR of 0.7. I mean, that's just insane. So, I mean, from a team that I didn't have a ton of confidence going into Cincinnati, especially since they lost six out of the last and they definitely surprised me.
1: I was jacked up going into the Cincinnati game because I, I, I just didn't see a way that the Bengals could score. I, I predicted a shutout for a reason. The matchup was just unbelievably in favor of the Ravens. This Ravens defense is not what it was a year ago. It's not what it's been for years. The Baltimore Ravens have not had a defense this good since 2006. It And you know what? We're talking about 2000. I don't know if it can get there, but you know what? It's starting off at that level. And if we we play rookie quarterback in week two, it's probably not going to go down from here. I will say this. I'm glad that we're seeing the defense to what we thought they would because all off season long, we've been talking about the defense. All preseason long, we've been talking about the defense. And you look at the national media there, they got low expectations. And, you know, I read a USA Today article that has the Ravens defense as a possible concern. I mean, I'm thinking, what are, what are they seeing that we're not seeing? Well, it turns out they're not paying attention. When you look at the Baltimore Ravens all off season long, we've been saying defense and we're seeing it, and that is refreshing. It it means that everything that should be going on is going on. You look at this defense right now, Tony Jefferson, Eric Weddle, Brandon Carr, Jimmy Smith, Lardarius Webb back where he's comfortable, over the slot, Uh, unbelievable secondary. The front seven, Michael Pierce might end up being a huge, huge asset inside. Pro football focus had... Pierce and Williams as two of the top four highest rate, rated defensive linemen, interior defensive linemen, I, unbelievable. And Mosley, that interception. It, I what's amazing about Mosley in that pick is, I had no idea what Andy Dalton was seeing. Yeah, I mean, Webb was all over him. There was no way that was going to be a touchdown, but Mosley knew it was going there, and he that was just pure instinct you look at this defense it's absolutely incredible and it absolutely can be historically good because you look at the historic defenses what do they do they take the football away the ravens did it five times in one game just imagine what they can do for the rest of the season
0: we are the Ebony bird podcast again you can check us out on dot com and emony underscore bird on twitter I'm contributor Jake McDonald and your host at McDonald 95 I'm joined by our two site experts, Chris Schistler and Joe Schiller. Chris is footballman58 out on Twitter. Joe is Joe Schiller with two R's. Uh, we had this one question uh, posted in our rundown of uh, are the Ravens as good as we thought they were? And it, it's, a, it's a tough question to answer um, after week one because for me it all comes down to consistency. And when we look at the defense and the special teams units, I'm sure they're going to continue what they're going to do. There may be a drop-off on the special teams unit because they don't have Albert McClellan this season anymore, but they have Justin Tucker and and Sam Cook. That's really all you need to say. And then, as you guys just said in that long conversation, the defense could quite possibly be the best defense they've had in years, so that's only going to go up. It all comes down to the offense for me, and certainly the Woodhead injury doesn't help. Um, But again, if this defense continues to dominate how they're doing uh, and the offense does what they need to do just to win the game and manage it, uh, then the Ravens will be as good or better than we thought they would be. But if this offense uh, you know, has some bad performances, especially against some teams like Pittsburgh and Elton in a few weeks and they aren't able to catch up, then I think we're going to see the, uh, the fallacies of this team are going to start to come through the cracks. Uh, Chris, we'll go to you first. Are the Ravens, uh, and then we'll go to Joe for, uh, for the question of you posted, are the Ravens good as you thought they were after week one?
1: The Ravens are better than I thought they were because offensively, they actually did something. I thought they were going to fall flat on their face, look sloppy, lethargic. I thought there was going to be no plan because they had no trust in Marty Morning Week. The Ravens have shown a commitment to the running game. If that continues, they're going to be fine. The offense we knew was work in progress, so anything at all was was welcome on the offensive side of the football. I'm pumped up because this offense is only going to – get better. You saw Jeremy Macklin with a huge play. Uh, you, we have big play potential, you know, and I, I got to be honest with you. Cincinnati's defense isn't bad. Cincinnati has a pretty solid defense, especially a defensive front, so to be able to rack up 150 rushing yards on them, I'm I'm quite okay with that. I think the offense, the passing game is going to get better. I think Flacker is going to get on, on a bit of a roll. Don't think it's going to be where we want it, but I think it'll be—I think it'll be better than managing the game. I don't think it'll be a game managing situation. I think it'll be let's get some big drives, let's get some big scores. Um, defensively, though, I'm not worried at all, dude. I, this team is ridiculously good, and it's only getting better.
2: Yeah, I agree with Chris. This team I've definitely exceeded my expectations, and like I said earlier, you can't take away. Much from the Bengals. I mean, they've had the Ravens number in the past and they're a talented team. I mean, Andy Dalton played terrible, but he's a good quarterback. AJ Green is one of the best wide receivers when healthy. I mean, they have a good defense. Granted, they were missing Pac-Man Jones and Fontez Burfitt, but overall they're, they could be a team in the mix for the playoffs this year. But, um, this offense did better than I thought. There's still a lot of work to do. I was interested in the tight ends particularly. I don't know if we'll see a lot of production out of them this year in terms of receiving, but blocking-wise, I mean, Nick Boyle led the way, and people won't talk about it, but Ben Watson set that great pick on that Jeremy Macklin touchdown. Absolutely. And it won't show up in the the stat sheet, but that was great. I mean, he didn't draw the flag as you see receivers usually do with that when they like stick out their shoulder or stick out their arm, but that was such a veteran move. And I, I, just one of those things that goes unnoticed. But it just just in terms of everything, just from feeling from last year when the Ravens went, started out 3-0, and they were just offensively things weren't going well, and games just felt so tight. It just feels so different this year. And I know it's only one game, but you they just won in such dominating fashion. And I feel like in terms of this year compared to last year, it's just a whole different team on both sides of the ball.
0: Moving on now, the Ravens, as the, after they defeated the Bengals last week, they're getting set to face the Cleveland Browns in the uh, home opener this Sunday at 1 o'clock. Before we talk about this game, I have to ask, are any of you attending this game?
1: I wanted to go to this game. I couldn't find anyone who wanted to go, so I'd probably not. Hey, I might get tickets if
0: I find someone to go with.
2: Yeah, Chris and I were trying to work something out, but with work I couldn't go, but I will not be able to attend
0: well, it is coming up this Sunday at 1 o'clock, Ravens versus the Browns and the Ravens home opener. And uh, really the key for this game is if we thought that the Bengals were a formidable offense with their free-headed monster in the backfield and A.J. Green, uh, the Browns are not nearly as close to what the Bengals are. So if you look at this matchup on paper... Really favors the Ravens because of uh, their defensive performance, and if their offense can put up some points. uh, The last time the Browns beat the Ravens, Baltimore was two years ago. They didn't do it last last year during Thursday night, but that was one of the uh, lesser versions of the Ravens, uh, to say the least, two years ago. So looking at this on paper, it's all Ravens, uh, especially because of their defense limiting Deshaun Kaiser, who went twenty for thirty for two twenty two, a touchdown and a pick, Uh,
1: and seven sacks. He got sacked seven times. Against the
0: Steelers, and if and if that and if that you know something similar to that happens, and with the Ravens sacking Dalton five times last week, it is very possible. Uh, I'm feeling pretty confident about this game. Uh, Chris, we'll go to you first because I'm actually interested. Uh, I know we went to you first on the last question, but uh, if you pitched, if you wanted the Ravens, if you predicted them to get a shutout against Cincinnati, you got that right. You have to be picking a shutout against against the Browns this week again, right? Well,
1: I'm just gonna say this now for every week. A shutout is always possible. I don't know if it's predictable. You would think. You would think we could shut out the Browns, but Deshaun Kaiser can make some stuff happen. If they score a field goal, won't it be shocking? But they're not gonna score. They're not gonna score a lot of points if they score at all. Um The Baltimore Ravens defense can do anything better than the Steelers' defense can. The Steelers' strength is their offense, and honestly, their offense didn't look that great against Cleveland, which is just making me giddy like a, a little kid on Christmas. Um, I, I, I'm so pumped up for this game because I think the Ravens have a chance to set a franchise record for sacks. Deshaun Kaiser holds the ball way too long. He locks on to his number one read. They make it really simple for them. Uh, I don't think you can do the next level stuff. And you know what? One thing I will say about Pittsburgh's defense watching the game this morning, Pittsburgh didn't do a lot of the pre snap movement. I think the Ravens are going to bait them. I think the Ravens are going to confuse them. I'm jacked up. Let's go. Let's go. This is going to be some home cooking. I, I'd be shocked if we lost this game. Yeah. The Ravens are gradients,
2: uh, rookie quarterbacks that they, if they win on Sunday, they'll be, 9-0 and against rookie quarterbacks in Baltimore since John Harbaugh became a head coach was just pretty incredible. They just have that ability to get to rookies and really have them make mistakes. And like Jake said, I was at that game, that Ravens-Browns game, two years ago when they won, in over time that's when Josh McCown threw for like 500 yards. It was the most embarrassing thing I've ever seen in my entire life. So if that ever happens again, I, I would just be shocked. But I didn't have a chance to watch the Steelers-Browns game. I'm going to get to it tomorrow. But part of me just as, as confident as I'm going in, it's an AFC North game. We've seen the Ravens play down to their opponents sometimes, and that's just all from last season, but part of me just feels like it's a trap game. And I really hope them wrong. I really hope them 100% wrong. But just, I, the Steelers just had such fits with the Browns, and I don't know. Part, I'm just, I'm just trying to stay optimistic here, but part of me just feels like this could be a trap game. We saw it in the first game. Of the season last year when they played the Browns went down like twenty to nothing in the first quarter, and it's just like one of those things where you don't expect the Ravens going into it, but a couple of mistakes on the offensive side of the ball, like Joe Flacco does sometimes, the Browns take advantage of it and they go down early. And I think the defense, like Chris said, will definitely handle it, but I'm I'm just saying don't be surprised.
0: Yeah, I I kind of need to need to uh, build off what you just said there, Joe, because I do think that. The trap game is a legitimate thing. If you remember, the Ravens have been notorious for doing this in years past. A, tw- a particular example would be 2012, the year they won the Super Bowl. They absolutely blew out the Bengals at home to open up the season. And then they went on the road and lost to the Eagles, who ended up finishing 4-12 and 12 that year. So that is a good point and that is something that Ravens fans do need to keep in mind. Uh, but when you think about Sunday and you think about the rookie quarterback and Deshaun Kaiser going up against the Ravens defense and the stadium, absolutely rocking. I hope it's rocking, too, because the past couple of seasons, attendance has been down, uh, at, not just at Ravens games but at Orioles games. I'm not sure if that has anything to do with the Ravens not being as competitive. But get your butts out to the M T and t Bank Stadium if you're in the Baltimore area and go support your hometown team. It better be rocking.
1: We just we just beat the Bengals twenty to nothing. If it's not rocking, come on, man. I we think just we'll beat the be Bengals crap. twenty to nothing. Let's go. This this whole this season is a completely new story. And you know, we talk about the trap game two thousand eleven. We beat we crushed the Steelers. Lost to the tight end in a game we should have won. I get it. I do. But just like last week, let's not hold the history and the trends against the Ravens, because this is a brand-new team. This is brand-new everything. I'm pumped. Let's go.
0: And I guess one more thing we do have to talk about that happened today, uh, not related to the current team, is former uh, Ravens linebacker, of course, uh, Ray Lewis, perhaps the best, well, is the best player of all time. There is no question about it from franchise history. Nominated uh, to go to the Pro Football Hall of Fame next year, class of 2018. It's his first year of – or I couldn't say eligibility for whatever reason – uh, but, of course, he gets nominated to go up to the Pro Football Hall of Fame next year. Uh, is there any reason why he wouldn't get in? Of course, you know, there there's certain people that hold grudges against Ray Lewis for whatever reason or not. But what, whatever you think about him, all things aside, he is a for-sure Hall of Famer. And anybody that isn't voting him in is just using a personal vendetta against him, I think. He uh, really, I mean, I, I personally... I'm hoping to go to this live. I know a lot of fans in Baltimore are going to want to go. Uh, Didn't have the opportunity to go see Ajin a couple years ago, but of course if he were to make it, it'd be Ajin and him as the first two Ravens draft picks uh, in in team history, making it to the Hall of Fame. So uh, we'll go to Joe first. Just a reaction from the news that you heard today about him being nominated for next year's class.
2: Yeah, I mean, nothing but class. Uh, So much respect for Ray Lewis, the all-time greatest Ravens player ever. I mean, Arguably, in my opinion, the best middle linebacker ever play the game. I mean, like you said, people have their personal grudges. And, I mean, that's, that's fine and all they can think, whatever they want. But that's not going to stop Lewis from getting in. I mean, I, there's no way he's not a first-ballot Hall of Famer. I mean, he was just an incredible player, so much passion on and off the field. And he's done so much for the Baltimore community, too. Like, people will try to get the murder stuff all – mixed up and try to use that and that's the when you when you hear people talk about it that's the only thing they can ever come up with really and they'll they'll talk about his passion about how he gets too emotional and stuff like that but i mean the guy just loves football i mean we saw that in the 2012 super bowl run it was destiny him retiring and then making it all the way through everything so i mean nothing nothing but respect for a Lewis. he's the greatest middle linebacker of all time
0: Go to you next, Chris. I just have to add that I go to a school in central Pennsylvania filled mainly with Steelers and Eagles fans. So I hear the murder stuff all the time. And you're right. is the only thing, the first thing they go to and the only thing they can come up with.
2: It's just stupid. I'm just tired of hearing it. And it's, I mean, you ask them, what else, I mean, what else? And they just, they have nothing to come up with.
1: Yeah. Well, first off, Ray Lewis in Baltimore. We know a different Ray Lewis than the rest of the world knows. We... We there are a few players that you just know, and Ray Lewis, his he wore his heart on his sleeve. Honestly, growing up watching him, I I kind of think he shaped my personality. I mean, uh, everyone's always said I was a fiery guy, I was a passionate guy, cared too much about things. You know, I I grew up watching Ray Lewis. What do you expect? Uh, I love Ray Lewis. I will never love an athlete more than Ray Lewis. Um, so when they bring up that they don't know who the man that they're talking about. But I think this is one of the rare instances where you see a football player that's hands down better than every single candidate across the board. And I'd say something is there's a lot of great candidates for the Hall of Fame. He's the greatest inside linebacker of all time, honestly. He's got to be a top 10 football player.
2: Also quick shout out to uh, Matt Burke. uh, First time nominee as well. Did a lot of good. Absolutely.
0: And also of course with uh, everything uh, that, you know, people have been saying about Ray Lewis and his media career and how it's having a negative effect on the Ravens, which some of it could be true, but while all this is going on, hearing the news that he got elected first ballot was a huge, huge, uh, nice thing to see, especially after all we've seen lately. So, with that, we will say goodbye on this episode of Ebony Bird. Of course, follow us. On Twitter, ebony underscore bird, and check out all of our work. Our article is on ebonybird.com. I wrote a five things we learned piece against the Bengals. You can, you can check that out as well. It's been up there for a couple of days now. For Chris, who is footballman58 on Twitter, and Joe, Joe Schiller out on Twitter, I'm Jake McDonald. I'm McDonald 95 We will talk to you next week on the Ebony Bird podcast through Block Talk Radio or iTunes. So enjoy watching the game either on TV or if you're going to the game, enjoy watching the Ravens. Uh, open up their home campaign against the Browns. And hopefully when we come back on this podcast next week, we will be talking about the 2-0 Baltimore Ravens. For Chris and Joe, I'm Jake McDonald. We'll see you next week.